Jack Riccardi, welcome to the Jack Riccardi Show, which I am hosting today. And then I'm going to be off for a couple of days. And it's not a vacation. And it's not a pleasure trip. Uh, but they'll be auditioning my replacement for the next uh, couple of days. So you can look forward to that. Um, how did you, uh, how did you, I'm, I'm curious to hear some stories. How did you do today with the, um, the FEMA emergency alert warning on your phone? I mean, they've been telling us for days it was coming. I knew it was coming. I had a post-it note on my desk. I knew. I was ready. I, 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 uh, I anticipated it. I converted Eastern time to Central time. They did a nationwide emergency alert test that hit every, uh, cell phone and radio and television and everything. And that sucker, when that thing went off, it took 15 years off my life. I want to tell you, it works. Government, it works. By the way, why do they have to test that? Who doesn't think the government can reach all of our phones? Isn't in all of our phones already? Who, who, who's worried about that? Who needed to know that if they wanted to, they could push out some propaganda or push out something, you know, the next virus, whatever it is? Who, who didn't think that would work, right? I mean, we're not living in the 1950s anymore where you gotta, blow the air raid sirens to make sure a bird didn't build a nest in them. I mean, if there's one thing we know this government can do, it's get in our business. We're not wondering about it. We're not worried about it. We're not speculating about whether they can do it. But I posted uh, about it on Facebook, and there were some funny um, people had some funny situations. And I was alone. It, it went off on my desk, and I, you know, jumped out of my... Jumped out of my uh, socks. Uh, one lady was at an airport. She said it sounded like the end of the world. Imagine all those phones going off um, in an airport, and you've got those you know, high ceilings and the tile floors everywhere. Let me see if I can find that. Uh, yeah, Mary writes on Facebook, I was in the Orlando airport. It sounded like imminent nuclear devastation. Uh, Nicholas says, now we're good to go for the zombie apocalypse or alien invasion. Um, where were you, how did you, uh, how did you do with the emergency alert? There were people that thought they were outwitting it by turning their phone off during the window of time that it was sent out, but then it, I guess it sent, from what people are telling me, when you turned your phone back on, it was like they're waiting for you. Uh, so you could set your phone on vibrate or silence, but then what people found was if you were out in public or you were at work, and you did that, you were going to hear everybody else's phone uh, go off. Everybody at work, all your customers, everybody in the place where you were at. Um, Susie says, I had my phone on silent because I had an appointment. Otherwise, it would have been on full blast. Trish says, nothing tests your bladder control like an emergency alert. Maybe that's what they were testing. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that was something. I... um I think we can stipulate that uh, they are able to reach our phones. There was a uh, story last night in the news. I don't know if you saw this or not. There, there was a shooting at Morgan State University in Baltimore, and uh, everybody is going to survive. There were five injured uh, people, and the injuries are not life-threatening, but it looked like a mass shooting at first. And I was watching some of the coverage on Fox because I had Fox on anyway because we had been watching the uh, stuff from Congress. 
And um, they were talking about how they issued a shelter-in-place order for the students at Morgan State University. And I thought to myself, what is shelter-in-place? I mean, isn't shelter-in-place what we do? I mean, why do they have to tell people to do that? Like, I would think if you don't hear anything, if you hear shots or no one tells you any, gives you any instructions, um, then shelter-in-place is probably what you should do. Like, shelter-in-place is the default if there are no other directions being given. But you don't have to tell people to shelter-in-place. People hear gunshots, particularly in big cities now, they're going to shelter-in-place. I don't think we need an instru- I don't think we need an announcement on that. I th- whoever's in charge of issuing that order find something else for him to do. It reminded me of do you remember after COVID? Remember remember the the Halloween of COVID uh in 2020 all the extreme measures they were telling people to do for Halloween, uh put your candy outside and you know leave it in a on a on a cookie sheet and don't don't go answer your door and have no contact Halloween and people were wiping down the individual Snickers wrappers and um and then the following year they didn't put out the guidelines and there were people in the news I remember we did a story about it there were people in the news who were like now I don't know what to do uh because they didn't give us covid guidance for Halloween People are funny. Like they, once you tell them what to do in a situation, I guess they always need to be told. That, that there never comes a time that they don't need to be told. And so the the following Halloween, there were not you and me, but there were like helpless people who now did not know they needed that CDC guidance so badly. They were following the science, and now Halloween is coming in a few weeks, and we're all very. Cash about it, right? Uh, 210-599-5555. So, yeah, I would like to hear uh, about what happened with you when you had the uh, the emergency alert. Somebody said, and I don't know if this is true, it sounds a little fishy, but somebody said that the Russians also conducted an alert test like this this week. And that that seemed like a weird coincidence. Seems like too much of a coincidence. I don't know. So look into that a little bit further. 210-599-5555. Dane is on the radio. Dane, how are you? Hey, Jack. Well, I'm still alive. I didn't get turned into dust. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, but I think I lost, I, I think my life expectancy went down by 10 or 12 years. Whatever I was going to live to, it just, how, how was it for you? Well, I think most everybody in our office have know how know how or have these settings in your phone where you can disable alerts and notifications from the FEMA, you know, the national mm. alerts. Mm. So it was fairly quiet. I had that on mine too. Yeah. So, so you're a bunch of subversive rebels that don't to, to, you don't obey your government, huh? You don't listen to your government. <laughs> how will you know what to do when the big one comes, Dane, if you've disabled these alerts? Well, I think we're already doomed, so. <laughs> no. Well, just shelter in place, Dane. No, I know. I feel well, like we're all doing that, know. you know, figuratively as well as literally these days. We're all just sheltering yeah. in place. It, it's, um, it shows up on the screen, and I think some of them you, you have the option to still do the vibrate, but mm-hmm. at least it disables that loud streak. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, so we I can I can tell you you uh, you really missed something with that loud shriek. <laughs> All right, sir. Good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Always good to hear from you, Dane. Uh, Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I heard somebody say um, that this thing with the house last night was like the dog catching the car. Remember the old joke: dogs always chase cars. They would. What would they do if they caught the car, or the dog finally caught the car? And that's sort of like what happened, I think, last night in the house. I think there was this this uh, animus toward Kevin McCarthy, which is not illegitimate. I mean, I, I've said this before, and I, I find it funny. I I had people. After yesterday's show, that were on my butt for defending McCarthy and for not defending or attacking McCarthy. And so this is one of those moments where you're going to get people are going to come at you from both sides. And it's because they're projecting and they've chosen a side and they think everyone's chosen a side. And they can't handle that you're not on Team Kevin or Team Matt Gates or you know, Team Fox News or whatever. I mean, I'm not on any of those teams. But they they caught the car. They they did something that apparently has never been done. There's never been a motion to vacate a sitting speaker. Uh, there's been an attempt to do it. In 1910, they took a vote, but they didn't vacate the speakership. They didn't oust that speaker. So last night they did something that they've never done before. And just a few quick points about it. He he became speaker, if you remember, in January by making a lot of deals and promises and um, agreeing to, among other things, this ticking time bomb that said a single member can uh, motion to vacate the speakership. And he knew that Gates would try to do that at some point, and he knew there were other people that would try to do that at some point. Uh, I I don't know how anyone... McCarthy, the media, you uh, are surprised about this or caught off guard by this. He wanted to be speaker so badly that he agreed to a grenade with the pin pulled out. And that's what went off yesterday. The criticisms of him are, are, in my opinion, legitimate. I've never cared for him. I liked him even less when we had to listen to his facocta, woe is me, press conference last night, but um, getting rid of him doesn't solve any problems if you don't know what's coming next, if you don't have anybody, if you don't know who the next man up is, if you don't know how they will operate. And by the way, that next speaker will have to operate with Matt Gates out there with a bunch of cameras on him and the pinless grenade. And by the way, that speaker, no matter who it is, I don't care if it's Donald Trump, I don't care if it's, you know, that speaker will have to operate knowing that the Senate is run by Mitch McConnell, and Mitch McConnell and the Senate are crying out dead on arrival for everything, right? The budget, impeachment, we're not doing it, we're not interested, we're not good with that, they're not, they're having no part of this. So you can fix the House and, and accomplish nothing. Well, very little because of the Senate. Maybe not nothing, but very little. And then I see the names that they're proposing for Speaker, and one of them is Jim Jordan. Now, I I don't know about you, and maybe I'm crazy, but 
I don't want to lose Jim Jordan right where he is now. I love seeing him chair those committees and haunt the nightmares of those witnesses. You don't take a guy like that who's a pit bull and put him in management. You don't take a guy who's in the trenches and and is a, is a scrapper and a fighter and put him at, at that level where he's got to be, you know, administrative and statesmanlike. And I, I don't – see, I think, I think McCarthy wanted to be that. He didn't want to be in the trenches. He's not a bare-knuckle guy. He wanted to, do, to, you know, assign office space and all that crazy stuff. And McCarthy was a problem, but he wasn't the problem. And I think what puzzled people, and I had so many people write to me last night and go, I know you talked about this for an hour and a half, but I still don't really understand it. But what they don't understand is that they know we have bigger problems. Biden is a bigger problem, uh, and the team around him. He should be impeached. Mayorkas and Garland should be impeached. The FBI needs to be broken up and, and, and you know, pieces thrown to the wind. This, the, the whole intelligence community and federal law enforcement has become an unanswerable government within the government. People know this, and they they know that what happened last night doesn't address any of that. People, even people that don't follow news closely, understand that what's happening in the country right now is not is not Kevin McCarthy's doing or or a failure of Kevin McCarthy. Like if Kevin McCarthy was was a you know uh, more of a more of a man, we wouldn't have these problems. Nobody nobody thinks that. Nobody believes that. People, people have a sense that radicals and kooks are in charge. People have a sense that the government is way too into our business. People have a sense that the government is way too in debt. You don't have to be a, a you know, economics scholar to understand. And, and this is one of the things Gates talked about, and he's right. I don't know where he's been all this time, but he's right to talk about it now, that, yes, we're, we're in an unsustainable position on debt and de-dollarization and, and, and all of that. And what it means, by the way, is that it used to be that people could be fiscally prudent in their own lives and look over at the government and go, I can't believe what they're doing. But now, so you, like your parents and grandparents could have that attitude. Well, at least we're not like the government. Now, I don't care how Ramsey-esque your personal economics are, what the government is doing is going to crush you, your savings, your ability to buy a house, your children, your grandchildren. And so, yes, these are the real issues. And you can say, well, McCarthy wasn't effective on them. But McCarthy's office is not the office that's going to address them. So we know we have real dragons to slay. And we didn't slay them last night. I like disruption. I do. I, I, I'm I'm kind of jazzed about the whole. This has never been done before, and I like making the comfortable uncomfortable. Uh, I do. It's good for elected officials to feel a brush with their own political mortality. But what I would just say, I guess, and and then I want to go to the phones. Uh, most of us are not on Team Matt or Team Kevin, but you Republicans have caught the car now. And we want to see what you're going to do with it. And, and you have days to do it. You don't have weeks or months or years. Uh, if, if you've got a better idea, if there's a better leader and a better plan, let's see it. Nobody seems to know what it is right now. The people that passed this thing and, and, and voted this guy out last night, none of them seem to have 
a plan for what comes next, just that he was the wrong guy. Well, he, he probably was. I'm not defending him. I know some of you will say that I am or think that I am. I'm really not. I'm more challenging all sides to do better. And show us what you're going to do with the car. So Laura Ingram had uh, Matt Gates on last night, um, right after this went down in the Capitol. And I just want you to hear some of this. Cut number four. Congressman Matt Gates joins me live. Congressman, thanks for being with us tonight. I, I want to get right to the criticism, the chief criticism by some of your GOP colleagues that we've been covering that in, in the angle made the point that it took your aligning with Democrats and even pals of Liz Cheney and the Republican Party like Ken Buck to produce a result that as of now has no solution. So what's your response to that? Well, the solution's quite easy. We should get to electing a new, more conservative, more trustworthy speaker immediately. And I'm calling on Patrick, Patrick McHenry, who currently is the speaker pro tem, to reconsider the decision that he just made to send everyone in Congress home for a week. This is not the time to go home for a week. We should stay and elect a new speaker. That's the path ahead. As far as the criticism that I worked with Democrats, the yellow brick road of working with Democrats was paved by Kevin McCarthy. Whether it was the debt limit deal, whether it was the continuing resolutions, this is a guy who was willing to partner with conservatives on the frivolous. Right. But whenever there was a spending matter, he partnered with Democrats. That said, Speaker McCarthy's time is over. I wish him well. I have no personal animus to him. I, I hope he finds fruitful pastures, and, and I'm certain he will. But we've got a job to do here. This is about the job. This is about keeping our commitment to have single-subject spending bills and an actual budget. Get there. The first time Congressman, uh, we've already century. established tonight that that we I mean, I have been doing this with, with all due respect decades longer than you. OK, you're a young guy. And so I agree with all I don't believe that, Laura. Did yeah, you start right. When you were like three. You right. Were Continuing resolutions, oh the budget, oh, the spending. No, please all, don't. Please don't. Don't but don't suck up to Laura Ingram. All right. Don't do that. Don't do that, Matt Gates. Uh, 210-599-5555. Junior's on KTSA. Junior, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, uh, yeah, I just have a little take on this. I mean, you know, the Republicans put the people that they wanted to put into the House, and now that the House, you know, that, that it's controlled by the Republicans, they're proving to everybody that they still can't get the job done. So now, not only do they want a majority of the House to be Republicans, now they want to, to be of a certain uh, caliber of conservative. And then eventually it's going to turn into, well, that's not good enough. Now they have to be a certain type of ilk of person, if you will. So my take on it is how embarrassing is this for the Republican Party? The entire world's laughing at them, and the Democrats are loving it. Yeah, I don't. I think you're drinking the Kool-Aid there, Junior, because uh, the Democrats are in a lot of trouble. They're, they're in a historically bad position on issues right now. Like, they're not trusted with the economy. They're not trusted with crime. They're not trusted with the border. Uh, I, I don't think they're in the rosy position you think they're in or you've been told they're in. Um, I also don't really think that most people who listen to this show believe that this is what all Republicans are like. Um, my, my callers, my listeners, um, think for themselves. They figure stuff out for themselves. And frankly, they've never felt very much a part of the Congress critters, uh, whether they were Republican or Democrat. Uh, so you, you may be, you may be consuming some talking points there, Chief, because, um, and this is the point I was really trying to make is that for most people, what's wrong with the country is is glaringly evidence encountered every day and 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 it's not named Kevin McCarthy Th that having been said 
he leaves a lot to be desired, and he brought this on himself. Um, and he probably richly deserves a guy like Matt Gates. But Matt Gates doesn't have all the answers, and in fact, I don't think even had a plan beyond getting uh, McCarthy. Uh, that was the plan, and that was the, that was why Gates negotiated in the the deal where a single member could make the motion to vacate. When you when you negotiate that specific a condition, I tend to think you're going to use that condition uh, at some point. Not that you're going to forget about it. Jim is on the radio. Hi, Jim. Hey, hey, Jack. You know, I I actually think that there 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 was a plan, and and you can go as far back as to when he negotiated that that one condition that somebody could pull him out. I think the plan was to pull him out at at one point or another. And actually, hold on, no, hold on, Jim. Hold on. I I I just said that. I just said the plan was to get him. But what I said was, what is the plan now? Well, that, that's, that's the next part of it. I, I think that the, the, the end, game, end, end of the game is actually to pull Trump in. I mean, if you look at all the candidates that they're talking about, who is the best qualified to handle the, the economy and do, do those things and, and to, to continue to drain the swamp? Mm-hmm. I understand he has a lot, he has a lot of issues. But by, I mean, it's it Congress. You, you, so you would like them to make Trump the Speaker of the House? Yeah, I think a lot of yeah. people would. How, how would he run for president and be Speaker of the House? How could he not? I mean, he'd be, it, we, we've gone through historic things right now. He, this would be a historic time that the, I don't know. To me, Jim, I, I, I assume you're a Trump supporter. You're saying this, right? So you, you like Trump. Yeah. I don't you want Trump? So, so wouldn't it be? Mo- wouldn't your t- your highest priority be to get him elected president? Why would you choose anything that would d- distract from that? I'm I'm just why, why curious. Why couldn't he do both? Why couldn't he do? Well, both? he could, but but I mean, okay. if you do both of those things, you're not going to do either one of them with the same effectiveness or presence. You're you're not going to be in Washington very much. I can tell you that because between campaigning and being in court. He already is stretched pretty thin. Um, I, 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 I've heard that talk. I, I don't think it's going to happen. But even if it did, I don't know how that would be a, a win for him. You know what I mean? Like he has no, he's, he's shown no interest in the legislative process. He's never been part of it. Uh, the speaker is actually a guy that has to do a lot of administrative stuff, which is not his strength. W- what would give you the idea that that w- are you thinking that would be like a good bully pulpit for him or? Well, they, they asked somebody asked him, and and he left the door open for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he's not completely dismissing it at this point. But think yeah. about this: Congress fu- funds everything. He he could strangle the judiciary where they can't mm-hmm. do anything, and and so it, all his court things become moot until um, mm-hmm. the election. And you know what? I, I I'll tell you what, Jim. It's an intriguing idea, um, and I know you're right. He left the door open. But remember, the members elect the speaker, and they can say they'd love that or they're open to that, but they're not going to assign themselves Trump and all the work he would put them through and all the grief he would put them through. These are members of Congress, Jim. These are not these are not people yeah. with a big work ethic. Uh, they're not going to they're not going to take that on. You you and I both know that. He's he's leading by what sixty points over everybody who's. Yeah, but they have to choose him, Jim. He can't choose himself yeah. for this job. I understand that. But and if they choose him, if they were to choose him, they would be signing on for a taskmaster 
the likes of which they'd be begging McCarthy to come back. They, they don't, they've already shown us, if they've shown us anything, they've shown us an unwillingness to fight the fight. So why would they sign up for an even tougher field general? It's not going to happen. Well, they need a tougher field general. Well, that's and, and that's true. Defense. That's true. But that, that's I think what, your plan what. overlooks the fact that they would have to be, they would actually have to choose him. Uh, well, I, I, I I can't see them doing that. Yeah. Well, you got to remember that these guys are coming up for election at the same time in 2024. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anybody who doesn't support him, mm-hmm. you know, isn't going to be in a good light. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that is definitely a theory I've heard a lot of people put forward, Jim, and I appreciate the call. This is what we were just talking about. This is uh, Donald Trump reacting to the job of being Speaker of the House. Cut number seven. Would you take the job? A lot of people have asked me about it. I'm focused. You know, we're leading. I don't know if you, I'm sure you don't read too much in the papers. But we're leading by like 50 points for president. My focus is totally on that. If I can help them during the process, I would do it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a betting guy or anything, but uh, if I was going to make like a big bet, one of those, I'll eat my hat, uh, you know. I don't. I don't think he'll be Speaker of the House. Um, and I, if I was advising him, I would certainly tell him not to do that. Um, and and I don't think that was the plan for the people that took out McCarthy. Um, but it was just interesting once they took him out. You know, because we didn't know as of yesterday afternoon. Everybody knew this vote was going to be uh, happening, and it was interesting that for once it seemed like no one was quite sure exactly how it would go. It was going to be close one way or the other. Uh, going into the chamber, McCarthy himself thought he had the votes, and then he was just a few short. And and so it, then there was like this 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 audible, si- you know, like audible silence. I know that's a oxymoron, um, where they realized they'd done it, and there isn't like a vice speaker that just steps in. In fact, this guy that's the acting speaker, Patrick McHenry. Um, I saw where he served notice. See, this is something speakers can do. He served notice on Pelosi uh, that she needs to get out of. She had a uh, very, very privileged office called a hideaway office that's like way posher and more conveniently located than the average member's office uh, at the Capitol, and, sh- and she's been told to get out of it uh, ASAP. So I already, already like him. But anyway, uh, I, I, I don't know if, when you draw from the same pool of people they drew McCarthy, when you have the same people electing that elected McCarthy, when you have people that supported what McCarthy, like all these people, Scalise and Jordan and Emmer and McHenry and all these people that are possible speakers, they all supported and voted for the CR and the stuff that McCarthy was doing. They were not you know, straining, chomping at the bit to do something different. Now, maybe privately they are. But Republicans need to show that this was about something. And even if Gates is just doing this for personality reasons, and I don't know if he is or not, but even if he is, they've got to show that this accomplished something. You you caught the car. Mike is next on the Jack Riccardi Show on KTSA. Mike, good afternoon. Hey, Jack.
Jack. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, this is like that dog chasing the tail thing. Caught the tail, doesn't know what to do with it now. Um, I, I was really confused. I shed no tear for Kevin McCarthy. Um, he got caught in the, the web of dirty politics. I think it's like the Democrats just turned on him. You know, he said, bring it on and all that. Well, they did, and now he's out. But to your points of not having a plan, which they don't, what really irks me, like I told your, your screener, now they're gone for how long? Ten days or something? Yeah. So they they ousted him. They have nobody in mind to put in his place, and now they're gone. And I just that's just really irked me when when I heard that. Um, so I'll be interested to hear what Chip Roy has to say. Mm-hmm. I don't have much use for politicians. There's no fight, and we need fighters and people that really have good conservative values. If you lean that way, um, but. Trump, I mean, I'm listening to all this. There, there's, to your points you've made, there seems to be no no plan, no plan for governing or what they're going to do. It was just the end game was just getting him out. Um, Trump, what? I'm, I'm just like, that, to me, no offense to anyone that's, I'll vote for him if he gets the nomination, but Speaker of the House, it just sounds delusional. You already made the point. With everything he has going on, well, and he'd have it. to have uh-huh. someone. Um, I mean, I, I I couldn't be Speaker of the House because I don't know enough about parliamentary business and the rules. Yeah, how things work, uh, even what the powers of that office are. Like, so, so you'd have to put some. You have to park somebody right at his right hand, whispering in his ear, giving him all that guidance. Uh, then you'd have to get him interested and keep him interested in stuff that I don't think he naturally is interested in, which is not a knock against him, but that that just doesn't make a good. That's not like a good fit. You know, I mean, we could, we could start the, suggesting him. I mean, maybe he should be the, you know, maybe he should be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, too, while he's at it. But just, just because we like him doesn't mean we yeah. need to plug him in everywhere there's a need, right? Hearing the, yeah, exactly. Hearing the clip you played, it, it didn't sound like he was really interested. I mean, you can't get in someone's head, but it, I, my judgment on that would be he doesn't want that. Yeah. But, I mean, you, yeah. you said it in the last segment. I mean, he's he's running for, the, you know, the presidency again. He's in court every week, maybe not every week, but he's got all these legal battles that he's dealing with. They're just, I just don't see it, uh, just from that alone. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, thanks for your words. And I am very interested to hear what Chip Roy has to say. But while I, like you, uh, glad for some disruption, and they need to do something to, to get their, their hands yeah. around this and be able to govern. And yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they have a speaker. I mean, and, and, and by the way, Mike, thanks for the call. Thank you. Um, I mean, they have a speaker. They have, they have this guy, McHenry, and they don't need to do anything. They don't need to. I'm not saying they need to have a speaker immediately. It is puzzling that you would be so sure this guy needed to go and then have no idea who the next guy should be. I, that's not how I would have done it. I would have been thinking about and approaching people and, and, and readying someone to glide in there uh and you'd pre you know you'd sort of you'd sort of pre-screen the votes see where everybody's head is at okay hey uh fred we want it to be you and i've talked to the key people and they're all behind you so since we all support you will you do it yes i will and i don't i'm not even sure it's that important which one of these people it is I, i don't think jordan is a great choice because again you take him out of what he's really good at but you've got Elise Stefanik, and you've got all these people. It's that's fine, or you leave this guy in there for a couple of weeks because he's he's apparently he's okay with it. He knows what he's doing. My question is, 
you've got to connect what you've just done, which has never been done before, to the stuff we care about and the stuff we sent you to do. We didn't send you to run the House of Representatives. We didn't send you to choose a speaker. We sent you to get your arms around debt that is crushing us and and really affecting our national security ultimately we sent you to control the purse strings on everything from ukraine to welfare to the border we sent you to constrain radical runaway progressive politics i think there was an intentionality to the american people electing a, a divided government i don't think that happens by accident that's what you're there for you are not there to work it out with the Democrats. You're there, and, and, and you're not there to avert a government shutdown. We had, somebody said there were 10 government shutdowns during Reagan. That is not the number one fear of the American people. If you've been paying any attention to what is aggravating and agitating people, what's making people go to school board meetings? What's making people themselves consider running for office, many who've never done it before. It, it, it's never, you never hear people say, well, I, what finally, the straw that broke the camel's back for me was um, that uh, the Department of the Interior employees might not get paid. 210-599-5555. Someone was saying, there's an old uh, joke about the Palestinians, they never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And this person was saying, well, the, the Republicans are pretty much the same way, right? Um, they, they've drawn the spotlight. Now let's see what they do with it. I'm afraid they may not know what to, what to do with it. Or, or, or maybe they're going to surprise me and we're going to see some incredible things in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I only respond when there's an emergency. <laughs> It's not hitting my watch. Is it hitting anybody else's watch? It's it's just a matter of time. All right, leader, are we all right? Uh, this was a Senate uh, Republican conference. A meeting when the EAS thing went off. Uh, where were you when yours went off today? What did you think about that? I, I just think it's I think it's posturing. You know what? I, I think it's I think it's kind of throwing their weight around. Uh, this is this is Big Brother reminding you that uh, hey we we can get in we can get into your business and we can reach all your devices. Uh, all your devices uh, belong to us. Um, I I mean honestly, you're testing something that no one has any doubt you can do. And the days of analog systems that needed to be tested and you needed to blow out the cobwebs and stuff, we're, we're, we're obviously we're way past that. Uh, the average American doesn't wonder if his government can get in touch with him. The average American wonders when will his government start leaving him alone? You know, too many alerts. We've been, we've been getting too many instructions, too many uh, warnings, too many mandates. You know, when people don't know how to do Halloween anymore because they miss the CDC guidance on Halloween, you know that something is starting to go 
a little bit sideways with us here. Anyway, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get your votes in today's JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery. One of the books that everybody read in school, and if you didn't read it in high school, you got it in college, was 1984 by George Orwell. And we make a lot of references to that book on this show, and there are a lot of references to Orwell and things Orwellian kind of in the political discussion of our day. And I don't know that everyone's actually read it, and I I, I don't know how to get to that point. We don't, obviously, I can't assign reading, but um, if there's one book that we ever talk about, that we ever, and I know we talk about a ton of them, we've got a whole blog about books associated with this show, but if there's if there's... It, if there's one that that I think would be like the the key, like the instruction manual to everything we're doing on this show, that would be at 1984, which came out about 75 years ago by George Orwell. I mean, there's others, but that's that's so important. And when I read it, and it was the 80s, and it was the Cold War, it was about to me, to me, it was about the prospects of living under Soviet communism because it's about totalitarianism, and and that was the totalitarianism that we feared, that we thought if if there ever would be such a thing in our lives, this, they are the ones. This would be the the brand of it, the flavor of it. I think one of the most Im- amazing changes in our lifetime is that now. When you think about what Orwell wrote about and posited, it sounds much more like our own government than some foreign regime that would impose control on us or invade us or conquer us or something, you know, some post-nuclear apocalyptic regime. It, 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 it is now really most descriptive of what we are living under without a shot being fired. And um, there was a, a column by Bobby Ann Flower in the, uh, one, of the, one of the blogs that I read every day is zerohedge.com, and they had excerpted a, a column that she wrote, and it was about how the Biden administration is rewriting the history of the last few years to deny, and not only the Biden administration, but Democratic governors, are in a sweet, you you almost have to think this is intentional and programmatic, it can't be a coincidence, there is an intentional, systematic denial that under COVID, there were vaccine mandates, mask mandates, People were threatened with their employment or their education or their access to things. No one was forced to do anything as a result of COVID. And she's writing about why they would be saying this and concluding that they're saying it so that the next time they give orders and mandates, People won't think, oh, again? Because it never happened before. That never happened. People were not threatened. People were not told 
that the the man that the vaccine is required for employment or to obtain employment or to continue employment or to uh, access this or that government function or program. And so they're they're basically airbrushing history, which is also something. When we were kids and we were learning about the Soviet Union, we would learn that like if one of their uh, Politburo people fell out of favor or you know, was caught stooping the wrong daughter of Brezhnev, whatever the heck it was that they did, well, then they uh, were airbrushed out of photos, and the history books were changed, and pages were razored out, and comrade so-and-so just never existed. They didn't have, like, you know, like in this country, we're not going to pretend Kevin McCarthy never existed. He's just fallen out of favor. But in their system, there, there never was a man named Kevin McCarthy. That's what they're doing right now with the history of COVID. And what's interesting about this is it should be very hard to do this. It should be very hard to tell people that something that just happened a few years ago, and I mean, we you, people our age, we joke about our memories, right? I wrote, a, I, I did a thing today on KTSA.com, a Jack Riccardi just a minute video about why did I come into this room? Or you, you're looking all over for your glasses and they're on top of your head. Or you're walking around looking for your cell phone, holding your cell phone. We joke about our memories. But the truth is, none of us of any age, anyone listening right now, none of us have forgotten the last few years. So it should be very hard for people in power to do this. But they're getting away with it. Because the people that should be calling them out on it, the, the corporate media, are, are going along with it. And I think what we're seeing is preparation. When I think about this emergency alert thing today, why do I get the feeling that will become more frequent? Like, we'll have to do that more often now. We'll need that every few months. And we're going to need, obviously, we're going to need vaccine mandates. We're going to need, you know, we're going to have emergencies declared for things like gun violence and hate speech. Um, and the people that should be calling this out, or at least jogging our memories, the, at the very, very least, pointing out to us, hey, this isn't right or this is hypocritical, the media are going along with it. They're the conduits of it. I don't really know how this ends, because in 1984, the book, the... Um, People are essentially, it, it, it works. It all comes together, and um, most people are kind of sleepwalking along, believing that their own memory is not accurate or reliable, and they, they've been sort of gently drugged and heavily propagandized. And, of course, the, the tension in the book comes from a handful of people that resist this. Just as today, there are people, we see people in our lives, in our society, resisting the, the rewriting and the airbrushing. But I don't know how it'll end. I don't, I don't know how it'll go. Uh, the people in the book 1984 don't have the book 1984. We do. We've also got the whole experience, the whole lived experience of not only Soviet communism, but I think about all the people that have come to this country. Has there ever been a country in the world or in history made up of more refugees and more uh, people fleeing 
totalitarian regimes. We are full of people who know what it's like to have a government-owned, government-controlled media, who know what it's like to have sham elections, to, for, for everyone to know that every election is a total per performance. So we should be, th this should not work here like it works in the book. As we continue to follow the minute-by-minute -minute, uh, soap opera, uh, that is Washington, D.C. We are joined by uh, one of our favorite people, Congressman Chip Roy, is on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Um, I was saying, Congressman, and, and it's great to have you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, that right now your conference kind of looks like a dog that caught a car. Uh, you know, there were people that, and I know you're, I know you're not part of this, but there were people that wanted Kevin McCarthy's scalp but don't seem to know what comes next. Well, Jack, uh, good to be on. I wish I was uh, in person in Texas. I'm still in the swamp. I uh, was visiting with my friend uh, Byron Donalds from Florida and some others. have been talking to people all day. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do to get uh, all this stuff back on the uh, tracks and moving forward again. Look, you know, I I've said this before, and you and I have talked about it on the show before, and to all your listeners out there. Yeah, this isn't where I wanted to go. Uh, my votes were pretty clear this week. I thought we should keep, uh, you know, going down the path we were going down. I don't think you pull the coach out heading into the fourth quarter or the quarterback, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, I think we should have stayed the course to finish the job and that we had some good stuff in process to try to get spending cut, get the appropriations bills done, and uh, figure out how to secure the border. But that's colleagues had a different uh, path. So here we are. Um, remember this. My Democratic colleagues, all due respect, Never work with us to do anything to deal with the challenges that most of your listeners want us to deal with. I'm just being honest. We had one of our own uh, Democratic colleagues get carjacked nine blocks from where I'm sitting right now. I'm sitting in my office at the Capitol. Are they going to go out and go deal with all the danger in our communities? No. They want to keep letting criminals out. Texas, overrun. Our borders wide open. Fentanyl pouring in. Cartels empowered. Migrants dying. Are they doing anything about the border? No. They're just saying, fine, just keep coming in. Ukraine, how much corruption do you need to see? How much more uh, loss of life do you need to see over there where you want to keep sending money in a proxy war because we want endless wars? Are we going to do anything about that? No. Our Democratic colleagues don't want to have that conversation. I could keep going down the list. $2 trillion of deficit spending this year. We're trying to fight back on that, and we could barely get a 1% cut through in the Memorial Deed debt deal. That's the truth. So all that is left are 221 Republicans who in our family are trying to figure out how to fight and win. The problem is occasionally a few of your family members don't agree. So, yes, this is messy. Yes, you guys have a front row seat to it. But welcome to the democratic process in a republic. And that's okay. You want a backroom deal cooked up? You won't watch it and see how it happens. We're not doing it that way. We're going to let the American people see it. But we're going to mm -hmm. keep persevering. That's why I'm still here. We adjourned, but I'm still here. Yeah. Um, who would want a job... <laughs> that um, comes with a grenade whose pin has already been pulled, uh, who who comes with, you know, Matt, Matt Gates and, and his TV cameras all fired up and ready to go the minute you do something they don't like. Uh, you, you've, you've outlined the, the, the game the Democrats are playing. I mean, how do you get somebody better than Kevin McCarthy? 
Well, I, it, I don't even look at it that way. Like, we just need to go now get a speaker who's got a vision and who will lead and will lead us through this next moment. That's it. That's what's in front of us. Um, the, the best leaders in history aren't the ones who get to sit around second-guessing what just occurred. They look forward and they look, see what's in front of you, and they go and they direct. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do right now. Look, I was over in the Senate today meeting with senators talking about border security. I was meeting with colleagues today talking about policy and what we can do to move appropriations bills to cut spending. Um, look, would I really want that job right now? <laughs> Can't say that I'd be you know, racing to go do it. But let me just mount one little defense for the eight, if you will. Uh, I didn't agree with the decision, okay, 100%. Let me be clear. My votes were very clear. I didn't think it was the right time. But let me just ask you this. In nine months, the only thing we've been able to do is lift the debt ceiling $4 trillion. In fact, more than that. It's, we, we lifted it until January of 2025. And then do a 45-day continuing resolution mm-hmm. at Nancy Pelosi's spending levels. Now, we've passed some bills, some really good ones, and that's why I'm defensive of where we were and why I wanted to finish mm-hmm. the job. Mm-hmm. But we didn't pass them. The only things we passed into law and gotten to the president's desk is $4 trillion of additional debt well, and continuing to spend at the Nancy Pelosi levels. And that's a problem. And, and, and I, I like what you said about leaders, but, but everything you listed, uh, the debt, Ukraine, crime, what's happening in our schools. We were just talking about, uh, you know, COVID and the vax mandates and the fact we've never really had a reckoning with what happened in this country the last few years and the damage it did and the culpability of the people that gave the orders. We've, we've done none of that. But no matter who the speaker is and no matter how well-intentioned you are, this stuff seems dead on arrival when it goes to the Senate. Biden should be impeached. Mayorkas and Garland should be facing impeachment. But we've got your Republican colleagues, Congressman, saying all of that is DOA on their side of the Capitol. Uh, so we're sitting here going, what does it matter what the House does if Republicans on the other side are shaking their head? Well, first of all, our job is to do what we need to do in the House and get it sent over to the Senate so that they can actually do their job. Because frankly, if the Senate were left to govern this place, it would just spiral into oblivion. You had 17 Republican senators siding with Pelosi last year. You have them voting for ridiculous positions. You have McConnell who's barely even like cognizant of what's going on. And so, you know, forgive me for not wanting to put a lot of stock in the Senate. So what we're trying to do is make sure we advance the agenda the people sent us here to advance. We've largely been doing that. Really good bills, really good positions, really good appropriations bills, really good oversight. Guess what? The committee work can continue. We've now got to figure out in the next week, week and a half, what we're going to do, get a new speaker, and let's march forward. That's where we're going to go. And Mm -hmm. bottom line is, Jack, again, I didn't support the measure. But now it's been done. So now we've got to figure out how we're going to organize to go get the bills finished and do our job. And that's what I'm so focused on doing. I want to go back, though, that point I made. Imagine trying to govern your company with a board half of which completely abhors everything you believe in and want Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. That's what we're dealing with, with Democrats running the Senate in the majority and their colleagues here in the House who have no problem with wide open borders in which people come in and kill our people and have fentanyl killing our people. Just stop on that one issue alone. That Mm -hmm. is completely unacceptable. So forgive me if I'm not going to you know, sit here and get all wound into knots, because when we have a little bit of disagreement among the 221 who are actually trying to figure out how to save it, 
and that when our disagreements on how to save it spill out in public view, Mm -hmm. that I'm going to apologize for it. We fought for openness. If you want the cooked up backroom deals that were governing this place for 20 years, leading us to this place, then go back four years and enjoy that. But Mm -hmm. we're trying to change it. What would be your, I mean, I hear you. Um, but I guess where, where I'm sitting, we, we sent you we sent you people to get results. Um, we sent you people to show some of the same stick to itiveness that the Democrats do. They may have their disputes, but boy, they they vote as a block. Every one of them is on board. Um, and you know, I, I heard uh, Newt Gingrich last night say he thinks the eight. Uh, are traitors. He thinks they should be out of the conference. He, sh- he thinks they should be primaried. Um, wh- what would be your response to Newt Gingrich saying that? I would like Newt, uh, who I respect and consider a friend and have known him now for a while. I would like Newt to call up Eli Crane, who uh, was a SEAL and who was a sniper. And I would like him to call up Eli Crane and tell Eli that he's a traitor. Well, I, I mean, he's not saying he's a traitor to the country. He's saying he's a traitor to the Republican conference. Well, he used the word traitor, okay? I'm just saying, uh, you want to call up Eli and make that call, mm-hmm. be my guest. But look, d- disagreeing on how we should move things forward is a reasonable thing for members of Congress to do. Mm-hmm. How many times have you and the listeners to this show sat around games saying, what in the hell is going on up there? And those guys, I disagreed with it. Let me stress again, I disagreed Mm -hmm. with the play call. But they thought that the continued status quo was unacceptable Mm -hmm. and that it was time to shake things up, that they saw enough, another $4 trillion of debt with no shift in the spending with a CDR they disagreed with. Again, I would have waited. I would have forced uh, the speaker, Speaker McCarthy, to continue to make good on what he was working to do. And if he falls short, then you have a conversation about a new direction. That's where I was. But unfortunately, we had disagreement. Now we're going to have to move forward and get another speaker and go keep fighting. Mm-hmm. So I, I said at the start of the show, I, I think you have days to show that you can carry on and that this is just a, an internecine uh, dispute. Um, you're certainly killing some news cycles here. You're, you had Jamal Bowman, you know, pull the fire alarm. Uh, you've got the Iran deal. You've got the appointment of somebody who lives in Maryland to be California's next U.S. senator. Uh, you've got numerous uh, bribery charges against Robert Menendez. You've got the Biden impeachment. You, you, you force all of that out of the news with this, what you are saying is, you know, this is democracy in action and this is openness. Okay. But either you get back on track or this looks like it did you guys more harm than good. Does that make sense? Well, Jack, I go back to the point that I voted against it, that I disagreed with it, that I yeah. argued with my colleagues that yeah. we shouldn't have done it. Yeah. But they did it. And so now all of those things do not change. Everything you just articulated remains completely true. Hunter Biden's just as corrupt. The evidence that we see on it is just as much there. All of this, Bowman still pulled the alarm. All of those things remain true. And more important than that, that is all, you know, all the theater inside of the palace intrigue. 
What really matters are Americans sick of seeing their streets unsafe, sick Mm -hmm. of inflation, sick of unable to afford a house, sick of watching their money fly over to Ukraine, sick of watching drugs flying into their schools and fentanyl killing their kids. They're sick of not able to buy a car because of this ridiculous devotion to a green agenda, making it impossible for them to get a car with an internal combustion engine without paying twice as much as they should. That's the truth. The American people know it. We're fighting for it. We're up against a massive monolith in this town, and it is hard to break. We are fighting an establishment that doesn't want to be fought in both parties. I'm telling you it's true. Again, tactical disagreement. I wouldn't have played that, made that play mm-hmm. call. But mm-hmm. they did because they're frustrated with a town that is stacked against us. Why do you mm-hmm. think right now Joe Biden wants to send us an $80 billion request for Ukraine? $80 billion, Jack. Republicans in the Senate, they want to do it. Here in this conference, half of the Democrats want to do it, and Republicans are about evenly split. So if you're just going to let it go by the overall vote, you'd probably let that roll because that's where they are. Yeah. My view yeah. is that's got to be paid for out of the IRS and the Inflation Reduction Act, and we should get border security. So I'm going to fight to stop it. So I think that's the issue here that we're up against. That's what we're stacked against. You want to know mm-hmm. why everybody's pissed off? Because they're watching that unfold. Mm-hmm. $80 billion to Ukraine to perpetuate a proxy war that's endangering people there that is not necessarily going to take out Putin. I don't even know. We haven't been given a briefing about what the end result will be. We're still awaiting transparency and full inspector general reports. And our border is wide open. And that's what we're doing. So mm-hmm. you wonder why my colleagues were pissed? That's why. So I would have stuck with the program because I was working with Kevin even just last week trying to figure out how to leverage to hold Ukraine in check and to make sure it was paid for and to get border security. We will we will still try to do that. But now we just got to go find a speaker. And I listen, I hear your frustration and I'm not arguing with you about your frustration. I I guess what we the people are saying is, please, let's make this worth the trouble it took. Uh, now that you're in it. And, and and one more final question. I know you've been very generous with your time. Do you think it would be necessary or wise to revisit the one member can call for a motion to vacate the chair before you choose another speaker? Because aren't you exposing that next speaker to this same outcome? In my view, uh, that has been in the rules of the House since the Jefferson Manual for two hundred over 200 years. And I don't believe we ought to adjust from that. I think we need a speaker that will come in and make clear and set the tone that this is where we're going to go. This is the leadership and everyone needs to get on board and follow. Um, I think that is just a better way to operate. And, and I think we're going to have a good uh, uh, debate over the next week. And hopefully we'll land on a speaker who will do just that. We end up debating the rules. We'll debate them. But my position is we ought to stick with the rules that uh, have, have worked for 200 and something years in that regard and um, and make sure that, look, by the, at the end of the day, what we landed on in January was actually monumental in shifting a lot of the openness of what we've been able to do, getting amendments on the floor again. We finally had hundreds of amendments. Do you know how many of my colleagues are saying, man, those votes are tough? Man, why do we have to have those votes? Because it's really hard back home. I'm like, what are you worried about? Like, that's what we're supposed to do here. Yeah, that's what we want you to do. Vote. We want you to fight over every hammer for the Defense Department. Right. So my view is uh, we've got to keep stay the course, keep trying to change this place, 
I want results too. But let me finish with this. The idea of, of putting regular order back in, in place is not always in line with what you want to get on end results at that moment. So we've got to keep going through this process to try to break it and, re and give it back to the people. I want an end result where we cut spending, where we pass the appropriations bills to do it, where we secure the board of the United States, and where we have a full uh, open debate about Ukraine and do our job appropriately while continuing to hold uh, the administration accountable with oversight. That's what we're going to continue to work to do. Congressman Chip Roy. Congressman, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, always, Jack. Y'all take care. I wish I were there. Hopefully get there soon. Take care. Sounds good. What did you think about Chip Roy? 210-599-5555. I do like him. Kind of warmed up to him. I wasn't too sure of him when he first came along in the race to, um, uh, you know, take that seat, replace uh, Lamar Smith in that seat. I was a little wary of him. Uh, I've I've really really liked the way he has uh, emerged as kind of a independent uh, voice in the Republican caucus. I, it was unusual in that interview. If you've heard him on our show before, you might have noticed this. It was a bit unusual to hear Chip Roy on both sides of an issue, but I think I know why he sounds that way, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It goes back to what we said at the start of the show. Look, as far as the personalities involved in what happened yesterday, I, I, I'm not a Matt Gates guy. Okay, uh, there's something there's something off about him, and I'm not a Kevin McCarthy guy. And I don't want to pick a good guy and go, well, uh, th th this is who was right, and this is who should prevail. So I'm putting that aside. I'm not in either team. I'm not in either camp. Uh, as long as you can, and, and he did, Congressman Roy did, as long as you can demonstrate to me that you know what's important and you know why we sent you and we didn't send you for this, I'm good. And if you want to say, is he? I guess his point today was, hey, this is not a bug, it's a feature. This is the, When stuff like this happens, it's because we have openness and we have rules and it's oh, oh, okay all right you you killed the news cycle for Jamal Bowman you killed the news cycle for the uh, Iranian spy ring you killed the news cycle for Menendez you killed the news cycle for Lafranza Butler being the new senator from California but she lives right now in Maryland you killed it we haven't heard anything today about Hunter. We haven't heard anything today about Biden. Okay, you you caught the car, and and Congressman Roy is saying, we, well, I, I, personally me, I wouldn't have chased the car, but my colleagues chased it, and I respect why they did, and I don't think they're bad people for chasing it, and they caught it. All I'm saying now is, and I only speak for me, show me you know what to do with the car, <laughs> um, because... Yeah, you, this has never happened before. We've never seen this before. I don't want them to be more like the Democrats. I don't. But I will say, the Democrats don't let this kind of ish get in the way of achieving their policies. Like, no matter how they feel about each other, no matter how icky they think Menendez is, no matter how slimy one of their own members is, they, you know, they're, they're make, they made, they came right out with the excuses for Jamal Bowman, which that is absurd, obviously, right? 
a school principal that doesn't know how fire alarms work. I can't even, right? But to their credit, they know what they're there for. And talk about eyes on the prize. I would like to see that message discipline, issue discipline, call it what you will, um, with the Republicans. That's that's all I'm saying. I, I, I Again, as far as the personalities, not really interested in them. Not really too fond of them. 210-599-5555. Here's another thing that's really fascinating. We're watching in real time, right in front of us, Democrats calling for closing the southern border. Leading Democrats in blue states, in sanctuary cities, are demanding action on the southern border. When did that become their position? When did that suddenly happen? Did they forget about the Statue of Liberty? Did they forget about AOC's crocodile tears at the chain link fence? And, and children in cages, and this is not who we are. And now they are demanding relief. I'm not getting my hopes up because I know their form of relief is going to be uh, crooked. There's a letter I'm looking right here at a letter from this is from the uh, governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, to Joe Biden. And it is an entire page of, woe is me, the people of Illinois are kind and generous, we support the rights of every human being, but we're overwhelmed by these asylum seekers. We can't handle the numbers that are arriving in Chicago. Our state government is is having to come up with hundreds of millions of dollars. There's more that must be done We need oversight at the border. But here's what they're going to do. They're going to try to um, partition the country and keep the illegal immigrants here. So they're saying we want action on the southern border, but their southern border is the border between Texas and Oklahoma, not the border between Texas and Mexico. But these are the, this is the stuff, these are the conditions that you need to, as an opposition party, as the out-of-power party, that you need to be on. I want the most articulate people, the smartest people in the Republican Party talking about this, not talking about KMAC. And I, I know some of you really like Matt Gates, and I, I heard from you yesterday. I don't, but I'll, I'll give you this. The guy knows his way around a camera. So... If he's who you say he is, and your admiration of him is justifiable, because I, I don't, I don't have it. I can learn, but I don't have it. But if if you're right about him, I, I'll I'll be interested to see his pivot back to what we need them to be doing, because this is not it. Robert uh, calling in about the uh, drama, the dramatics in Washington D.C. Robert, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. How you doing? I'm good, thanks, Robert. How are you? Yeah, hey, I'm great, great. Long-time listener, first-time caller. And listen, man, I got to tell you, first and foremost, really love your show. I listen because I, it's always refreshing to turn on the radio and hear somebody talking common sense that sees the world in, in, in a true picture, right? But I got to disagree with you on one point, 
And the, the point is, is that reason I'm not a Democrat for multiple reasons, but one of them is, is that I don't hold that party line. I don't think that we got to cover for each other. I do believe that that's why I'm a conservative, is that when I see something wrong, I got to be able to call it out. I don't agree with what a lot of the things that they're not doing that they should be doing right now, like you were saying. But I, I, I don't dis, I don't agree with what the Democrats do, like, hey, because he was a school principal, we all know that he should have known what a fire alarm does. And they shouldn't be covering for him. They should be calling him out. It shouldn't be a party line that everybody covers everybody CYA, so to speak, right? That's what I like about being a conservative, the ability to not hold a party line and say wrong is wrong, but I'm going to cover for you anyway, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I, I hear what you're saying, Robert, and I, I, I don't think we disagree. It's just that when you look at the when you look at what it took uh, to achieve something that's never been done in history, and think about that for a minute, in 250 years, Never vacated a sitting speaker. You would have thought if that ever happened, you would have thought, well, there'd be some gross corruption or, you know, hand caught in the cookie jar kind of thing. I, I, I'm asking the question, and I guess your answer would be different than mine. Uh, it, is their difference with McCarthy worth this versus uh, woke progressive politics versus what's being taught in our schools versus what's happening in our city streets versus the threat against the Second Amendment versus... Uh, parents going to school board meetings was this really it and if you think it was and you're glad that they called him out okay we can agree to disagree i personally think it shows that they don't know what's important i agree with that part of it i do but and i don't know that this he was not the problem robert i mean he was a problem but he was not the problem yeah correct i agree that 100 percent. i just don't agree that you can't you got to call it out when you call it out. I, I don't know if this was the right time. I agree with that. I don't but don't you have to pick your right spots? Time. I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying, which is you don't want you don't want people that are robots. But but you yeah. can't make every dispute uh, nuclear. Uh, this with what's going on around the Republican conference, this was not the moment for this. I, I don't disagree with that, too. I, I agree with you on that. It may not have been the right time, but look, McCarthy didn't uphold his end of the deal, man. No, no, he clearly didn't. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. And I don't know, do we wait? When do you when, when would be the time to call him out on that? You know, he, Well, here's he the problem, Here, and here's why the other problem with calling him out, Robert. So, so when you call him out, and, 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 and you're right to... Who do you have? Who is there? The same people that chose him are now going to choose the next one. And they're going to choose from the same field yeah, right. of people. And they're going to come from the same preparation or or rise well, that he came from. I don't know that it will be better. I hope it will Jim be, Jordan, but I don't know. Jim Jordan didn't run last time. Jim Jordan didn't run last time. Yeah, no, Jim Jordan would be a, would be a fighter. Now, let me ask you this. Is it worth taking him out of those committees where he is so good and putting him in the speakership? Do you want to do that? I agree with that, too. I don't know. You know, that's, yeah. that's, there's tough choices that have to be made, and I don't know if there's a solid good choice to there, but I do think that we got some good opportunity. I don't think Scalise is the right guy, but I think Jim Jordan might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's definitely got to be somebody that's tough, somebody yeah. that doesn't take it, and that, you know, that stands up for what's right. 
and I think he's a he. I think he's one of the guys that could do that. I could be wrong too. You know, I don't. I, know. I, I just I, wish I, they I, would I stop being so afraid of of government shutdowns and be more afraid of of we absolutely. the people. They they work way too yeah, hard to make the government work, and way way yeah. too little to make they it work for us. That, yeah, they should have let it go, man. They shouldn't have agreed. He shouldn't have. Right. Then that was the straw that buried the camel, not the straw right. that broke the camel's back. Right. Right. That was the straw that buried the camel. Is he agreed right. with the Democrats to keep the government open for forty five days? Yeah. What did he accomplish? Nothing. Yeah. They're still yeah. going to shut down in November. It's still yeah. going to shut down. I think you're right. I, I'm I a 30-year right. veteran. I got it, dude. I retired from the Army. I don't want my soldiers to go without pay either. And I don't believe that – I believe there's a way to, to work that money in to keep those guys mm-hmm. paid. But I don't well, here's how we get them paid, Robert. We, make, we, we announce that they're all members of the Ukrainian Army. We, we announce that every member of the U.S. Armed Forces is a member of the Ukrainian Army, and then they'll get paid fully. Yes, sir. Absolutely. They'll get everything. 100%. Hey, listen, Robert, you're a great first-time call caller, today. sir. I appreciate your calling us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate everything you do. Keep it going. All right. Thank you, and thank you for your service as well, Robert. Good call. Before this hour is up, our last hour, uh, we'll have the results on the JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Uh, do you think we'll get a better uh, speaker or more of the same with uh What's going on right now? And uh, a, lot of, a lot of good viewpoints on this. And, and I, I, I guess one thing I've, I've realized in the last two days, and, and this is me admitting something that I didn't really grasp yesterday, it is good. I, I realize now it is good that we're talking about this stuff. You know, especially yesterday, my attitude was like, well, this is not our fight. This is not what we care about. This is not. But I, I like, with our last caller, I, I am glad that people are recognizing um, the times that we're in and how important it is. And you know what? I, I think maybe some of the people defending the ouster of McCarthy have purer motives than the people that actually ousted him. Like, I still am not convinced that the people that did this palace coup are necessarily our friends or, or uh, our allies or our great people. But as I listen to people's voices on this, it does sound like we, the people, want to see, you know, uh, accountability. And McCarthy is, if nothing else, this is an accountability moment. He's been called out for what did not happen. And his defenders are trying to point to the glass being half full. I get that, too. I do. And that's why we ask the question, will there really be a better speaker or will there be more of the same? And if there's more of the same, then I think you could argue that maybe none of this was worth it. But I, I respect the viewpoint that, hey, Jack, I'm just I'm glad somebody is answering. I'm glad somebody is is stepping up. 210-599-5555 on that. We'll see how you vote on the JR poll coming up. Halloween is a few weeks away. You should not use the word spooky. should not use the word spooky. Spooky season, spooky costumes, spooky front yard decor. Um, on uh, X, an account called St. Nicholas says, if you're non-black... 
and you use spook or spooky, I will not vibe with you. I won't show up to your streams. I won't raid you, and I will just avoid you. I've been vocal enough as is. I guess I can't vibe with whoever this is. Do I want to vibe with? I think I might be too old to vibe. <laughs> am, I, am I a viber? Or do I vibe? I don't know if I vibe. Um, don't use spooky. Uh, look, um, first of all, I don't even really know that people are using that word very much. Is that even a... Is that even one of the most common adjectives this time of year? I would think scary would be more common, right? You know, like, and and spook, I, I, grief, I mean, that's like something from a World War II spy novel or something. I mean, who's using that word? So spook and spooky, um, uh, uh, this guy is saying is offensive if you're a uh, black person. So if you're a non-black person, don't use it, don't say it. Of course, that's the fastest way to get people to use it. When are we going to recognize that um, it's in our nature, it's in our DNA to uh, resist being told we can't do something? 210-599-5555. Listener sent me this. Um, I'm going to leave names out of this just because I don't know how what his level of commitment to this is but anyway send me a nice email he listens to the show likes to call in likes the dish um and he got this from hector garcia middle school which is in the nisd it's a flyer that's been posted around the school and um he says no notice was sent out to parents as far as i know i'm planning on going to the school board meeting to raise my voice about this the flyer says reform 2023 to 2024 school year um, our goal in reform is to give support to students in Garcia. Some students may be afraid to ask, uh, may be afraid to talk to counselors, but still want to talk with other students about things, so we invite students like them here. We also aim to make the school all in all more accepting and understanding of the LGBTQ plus community, and then there's rainbows. Uh, join us in reform, and it names the teacher, and it gives the, the room number if you want to. I guess reform is like a club you can join for LGBTQ support. And at the bottom of the flyer, so it gives the information about when they meet and what room they meet in. And then at the bottom of the flyer says, please join us, we're desperate. Uh, Which is probably the most honest part of the flyer. Now, just my two cents on this. This this gentleman sent it to me, said maybe you want to bring it up on the air or talk about it. So I'll just say this. With no animus toward anybody, okay, I am sick and tired of hearing about how much support everyone needs to show the alphabet people. I don't hate you. I love you. But you are not oppressed. You are not disfavored. In fact, at the moment... You are the most favored, the most um, talked about, spoken up for people in the entire country. You have a month, and they're adding another month. There's going to be two LGBT months. You've got all these woke companies prostrating themselves before you. 
changing their logos. You know, nobody changes the logo for me or you. Dave Chappelle does a great uh, routine or has a great joke in his routine about how uh, he says as a black man, he's jealous of the LGBTQ people because they've played the civil rights movement way better than blacks did. He says, you came out of nowhere. We had decades. We fought, we've been fighting for decades. You guys came out of nowhere, and you've won more victories. You've got more W's in the, in the column than we have. And he's sort of saying it jokingly, but it's also sort of true. What, where are we getting this idea that there has been insufficient support for this community? Now, I'm not saying that there might not be a gay person who's having a hard time. There are straight people having hard times. But I don't understand. By what metric, by what measurement are gay Americans oppressed? If anything... We're going out of our way to pedestal them. And just this week, the governor of California made a big, splashy point of saying, I've just chosen the first openly lesbian black female senator. Which, by the way, not to take anything away from LaFranza Butler is her name, can we just... Can we just be clear about something? You make history when you are the first person elected. You don't make history when you're appointed. Okay? If if a state elects a person and there's never been a, a, a like you know, the first time a woman was elected to the Senate, that's history. The first time a woman is appointed to the Senate, that's not history. And, and I think that's an important distinction. Like, achievement should still matter. Persuasion, convincing people, winning people over, getting people to vote for you should actually still count for something. LaFranza Butler hasn't won a single vote. She hasn't even actually proven she lives in California, but that's neither here nor there. But I just, I'm curious. Maybe you can ha- help me out. I mean, like, by what, by what measurement or metric is there not enough Support so that you would form a club at a middle school to tell gay students, hey, um, you know, don't be afraid and um, you can come here. And uh, if you're afraid to talk to someone, I'm sorry, why? I mean, it's one thing to be if you're gay and, and, and you haven't told your parents, that's that's a big deal. I get that. You can't really be telling me that schools, places of employment, uh, higher education, oh, yes, no, people are, are living in the shadows. I, I'm, not, I'm not buying that. I'm just not. And um, we, we hear it so much, and it gets said so much, but never really gets challenged. I'm just, I'm just asking, what, what's the measurement for that? How do you know that's true? We were talking, um, what was this, Thursday or Friday? About most interest. Oh no! It was sorry. It was Monday. Hello. <laughs> Monday, we were asking you what was the most surprising place you've ever visited, and uh, I got this email from Rachel. This is a this is a great. No, listen to this, uh, Jack. I'm listening on the beautiful San Clemente Beach, and intrigued by Monday's question. In fact, I've taken your podcast everywhere I go. Most recently to Sydney, Bali, and throughout Vietnam. Rachel, wow. 
My most surprising destination so far is Switzerland. The night before starting a vacation in, is it Basel, Switzerland? Is that how you say it? hope I'm saying that right. I was at a business dinner in Munich. Listen to this travel. Don, are you catching this? Are you plotting this on the map while I read this email? I'm jotting this down as we speak. Uh, I was at a business dinner in Munich where my European colleagues gawked at the idea of me going to Basel for fun. Later on, I asked my classmate who lived there why the city seemed to have a reputation, in quotes. She laughed and said everyone in Europe poo-poos Basel because... Uh, people dress like they're homeless on the streets but have Picassos in their homes. Turns out it's a beautiful city and hosts the largest art fair in the world. I enjoyed, um, uh, she names this museum, World Class Modern Art Museum, and was pleasantly surprised by the Georgia O'Keeffe exhibition during my visit. Uh, stateside, most surprising place I've ever visited was Tucson. It took me by surprise when I stopped for a night driving along I-10 from San Antonio to L.A., just love that she was driving from San Antonio to L.A. at night. Why does that sound like the coolest thing ever to me? Doesn't that sound good? I'm picturing like a like a 63 Thunderbird, you know? It says, found myself at a mid-century motel turned into an art hotel, Hotel McCoy. I spent the next morning hiking and visiting the Arizona Sonora Desert Museum, and loved that, too. I had not associated Tucson with artsy vibes, vibrant streets, fun, and well-curated museums. It's worth a visit. Uh, she says, I enjoyed hearing you ask such a fun question and all the great responses. Thank you, Rachel. She's on to say she also likes the book blogs. So, Don, Rachel sounds like... like the bomb, right? Well, she was lucky. She uh, obviously missed out on, uh, you know, the blurred lines of protesters and, and uh, crime. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. I just, all these places she went to makes me feel, you know, I love that segment, but I felt like, man, I go nowhere. I'm doing nothing. Right? You know? <laughs> Was there anyone else who heard that segment on Monday and thought, you know, yes, this is interesting, but on the other hand, I've, I've, I'm throwing my life away. I'm, like, I don't even have a bucket list. Like, when people ask, so where, where are your bucket list places to go? I have to make up a few. I have to lie. I don't have one. I don't have a bucket list. I have a bucket. I don't have a bucket list. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. But uh, well, these... These all sound great. She's listening yeah. to the podcast on the beach in San Clemente. And, oh, Definitely outplays my uh, trip to H-E-B several times. Bali, yeah. The no. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's very... Rachel, please keep writing. I, I don't know why you're listening to this loser show, but uh, please keep writing. I'm, I'm living vicariously through your travel. Speaking of travel, um, also on Monday, the Education Secretary of the U.K., announced that they are recommending they're not they're not banning it because they can't enforce a national ban but the UK is recommending that school principals prohibit cell phone use in the schools both during classroom time and free time hallway time you know all during the school day their guidance is that schools should ban students from using phones and other countries have also issued such a ban including Portugal and Italy and 
what are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about now? First of all, I don't I don't want the federal government or the Department of Education, which should be eliminated. I don't want them doing anything. But just as a policy matter, like as a rule, is banning cell phones in schools on your list, on your radar. And I understand the appeal of it because I've heard so many times um, the, the, the plight of teachers and classroom management and attention span, and you, you get the feeling it has to be contributing, the, the cell phones have to be contributing to the you know, sort of declining results that we're seeing, although I don't think they're the whole reason. Uh, and we are all worried, every one of us, parents, educators, grandparents, we're all worried about the amount of screen time for kids and what it's doing to them and all of that. Having said all of that, if you remember being a kid, and of course they didn't have cell phones when we were kids, but if you remember being a kid, you also remember the psychology of bans and things that are forbidden, and you know the, 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 the way that backfires. Uh, every single, when you're a kid, every single thing that the adults are agitated about or preaching against or trying to ban becomes infinitely more interesting, intriguing, appealing, important, like vital, you know? And, and so there's a, I think there's a backlash to that. And then also, I, I know that there is sort of a side issue, which is, well, what about the legitimate uses uh, and the ways in which there are legit everything from educational uses to emergencies. Every single, you know, Uvalde, every single school emergency um, has involved, you know, Parkland, all of them, uh, calls and eyewitness accounts with cell phones. And then I think also there's the enforcement. So if you were to say, well, despite everything you've said, Jack, I think the UK has a great idea and let's ban them in our schools. How, how do you actually do that? How, how far do you go with that? Are you jamming signals? Are you, are you confiscating? Are you frisking students? Are you, you know, what are you doing? Uh, and how are you doing it? What are your thoughts about that? I just kind of want to throw those things out there, see where you're at on that. Um, UK's education secretary says they are going to recommend that schools ban, prohibit phone use during the school day. Our Jack chat line is always open, uh, day, night, weekend. When you think of something you want to say, you contribute to the show, comment on. Maybe you know how you have those moments where you think of the comment, but the conversation is already over. Well, in life, there's nothing you can do about that. But with our show, you can always chime in. Or if you're listening to the podcast and you're obviously not with us live, but you want to get in on whatever was being discussed, i.e., most surprising place you ever visited, just uh, hit the Jack Chat line. It's 210-599-5550. We've got a couple of them right here. Let's take a listen. Hey, Jack, Alex, San Antonio. Yeah, I just heard Speaker McCarty talking about how he was upholding the institution, and he still doesn't get it. 
we don't want to uphold your institutions anymore because you have bankrupted the United States with your institutions. Glad he's gone. Let's get to business. It's not going to get pretty. All right, Alex, thank you. Yeah, no, I, it, I generally get a little, uh, I don't know, discouraged when I hear these people that we've sent talk about how important it is to make stuff work, like in Washington. You're, you're an ambassador, okay? We've sent you to a faraway place. But what has to work is back here. This has to work. These streets have to work. Uh, these schools have to work. Law and order has to work. Yeah, we're not interested in, in the smooth functioning of the House machinery. There isn't anyone who voted for that. He's got a good point there. Next up on the Jack Chat line. Hi, Jack. Craig and Pipe Creek. I want to give you two thumbs up on the uh, top ten from 1977. On this day, I remember those songs very well. I uh, was 26 and uh, at the time kind of fancy free. As you may recall, back in those days, October was kind of the release date for new cars, and I started shopping and ultimately bought the 1978 Z28 four-speed Camaro that sadly got away. But I do have a 1967 that I've had for over 35 Mm. years. kind of makes up Mm. for it. But anyway, thanks for the tunes. Always enjoy them, and I hope you keep doing them. Thanks, Jack. Well, I plan to keep doing them wherever I'm employed next. Um, <laughs> I think we have one. What did we pick out for next week? Is it, uh, I already forgot the year. Is it 80, 86, I think, next week? What? I think it's 86. Right. I was looking yeah. it up here. but uh, I think it's 86. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, thank you for that. And, uh, again, the Jack Chat line open, 210 599 50. He sounded like a typical guy, did he not? You he know, did. It's, it's he interesting did. because we – do we ever talk about the the one that got away? We always talk about the car that got away. Yeah, because it's easier to talk about the car. <laughs> it's a, you know, Don, you know, it's a little more complicated to talk about the, the one that got away, you know, because what if you're with another one now? Exactly. Right? I never thought of no it. No guy wants to call right, our show while right. his wife is in the car. Yeah, let me – Tell you about uh, no, but I, he just brought back a great memory because yeah, in September I think it was more September than October. But do you remember Don when? And, and and I guess this depends on where you grew up and when you grew up. But like I can remember, we would go to the local car dealerships, and they would have paper over the windows. Only at this time of year, only in September. They would paper brown paper over the windows, the plate glass windows. And then on a given day, and sometimes they'd even announce it in the newspaper, they'd do the reveal for the new models, and that the new models would first be on the showroom floor and then eventually they'd be in the lot. And so you you wanted to see what the you know what this year's Chevy looked like or what this year's Buick looked like or you know whatever it was. And I remember we would go to, there was there was uh, Silver Lake Dodge, and there was Clay Chevrolet, and there was Newton Buick, and there was Watertown Ford, and, you know, these different dealers that we all knew. My, my car buddies and I, we all knew where they were and which, you know, which ones had what. And maybe you'd, maybe you'd be looking at the new Mustang, you'd be looking at the new T-Bird, you'd be looking at the new Camaro or whatever. 
And uh, that was a great thing. And, I mean, now new cars get released all through the calendar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no, like, beginning of the model year officially or whatever. And, I don't. of course, now we don't even need to go to the dealer to see the car. I mean, you yeah. can see them online and stuff, which is good. I mean, I'm not knocking that, but that was kind of a cool memory. The decade that comes to my mind when it comes to vehicles of, the, of that uh, particular time period, the music was great in the 80s, but the cars were horrific. I mean, they all looked alike. They were very boxy. We're starting to get, uh, yeah, yeah, we're starting to get uniform. Mm-hmm. They... I'll tell you what was hard to see was um, along about, what would you say, like 77, 78, they had to do the downsizing. All of a sudden, everything was... Yes. So, like, every car came down like a a, a category in size. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, for one year... The Chevy Malibu, which was their mid-sized car, was bigger than the, the Caprice and the Impala because they had downsized the Caprice and the Impala. And then the following year, the the Malibu caught up. But, yeah, the, those – and it's actually now when I look at those cars, they look more interesting to me now. Really? Because compared uh-huh. to what we have now, even like a 78, 79 GM mm-hmm. is kind of – Interesting looking. It's kind of crisp and has character, you know. Well, that was part of the fun, was, was yeah, being able right. to when recognize. They first did that, mm-hmm. Yeah, when they first did that, it started to get kind of yeah, yeah. pedestrian. Because that was part of the fun of, of, of a conversation that you're having mm-hmm. with someone about uh, vehicles, cars, and pickup trucks, and so on and so forth, was being able to yeah. recognize one brand from another because, yeah. of the, yeah. because they were very distinguishable at uh, a very certain time in the of, uh, and I remember being very interested in cars way before I was going to ever be able to drive one or own one. I don't know if kids today are like that. I don't know if that's the same, if it's the same. But, like, long before I needed to know anything about, you know, this model and which engines were offered and, you know, <laughs> colors and all that, I knew all about that stuff. So, um says here that uh, the NFL is seeing monster ratings from the Sunday night football game when Taylor Swift showed up to root for Travis Kelsey's Chiefs against the New York Jets. So these are now two games where um, Taylor Swift's presence has led to a big spike in the TV viewership for the game. My question would be, so what? And I don't mean disrespect by that, but... If Swifties are tuning in because they're fascinated by her being there, does that really mean anything to, like, is that, like, a future fan? Is that, like, something that will continue, or is that a one-time thing? I, I, I kind of feel like the NFL and the networks have bought into or given into this whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing, and it would make sense if it was if it had some sort of lasting effect, but if these are not really NFL viewers and they're not going to care, and then when she breaks up with Travis Kelsey, not that I hope that happens, but it probably will, they're not going to care about any of this. They're not going to still be rooting for him or the Chiefs or Sunday Night Football. I, I, it's just it's, it's weird to watch, but I guess that's the way things work now. No one's really interested in building the audience they're just fascinated by the spike in the audience. Have you read uh, where, where Kelsey is um, 
calling out the NFL for overdoing uh, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift mm-hmm. coverage now. Well, I, I did see that, and and of course, um, my response to that is, uh, did you guys really? Are you? Was he like? Is are they like Harry and Meghan now? Like just leave us alone? Did you guys not fully participate in this? It sound doesn't it sound a little bit like now that they have the publicity, they're not. They're pretending they didn't really want it. Like she could have just showed up at those games. We didn't have to know she was coming. She's not the president of the United States. They didn't have to sweep the stadium and have a motorcade, right? So the fact that we knew she would be there means there was advanced publicity. And both of those two, I'm not taking anything away from them. They are both attention hounds. They know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I guess he's okay with the fact that eventually there's going to be an entire album about him. I hope, I hope he knows that. I think he does. But, yeah, it's uh, interesting to watch. I I don't really – I I respect her because I know she's a singer and a songwriter and she's talented. But I, I was saying this to somebody the other day, and I think you and I talked about it too, Don. Will her songs endure in the sense of, like, classic rock or something where, like, you know, 50 years later, 40 years later – people will still hear them and remember them and I, I don't know is this is this music that will last i'm not sure about that i don't think it is i could be wrong and i won't be around to admit it if i am but uh like when you hear the opening bars to a stone song that's 30 40 50 years old and immediately it takes you back like this music has never been off the radio this music has never been forgotten. You immediately know what you're hearing. Right? Will a will a Taylor Swift song in the year like uh, 2053 have the same association? I'm asking. I I don't think it will, and that isn't a put down. I just don't think it will. Maybe her and Travis Kelsey will have grandkids by then. Who knows? Yes, we rely on these chips for consumer electronics and cars, but they're also in just about every... Think your time is up, Senator. <laughs> we have an emergency in semiconductors. I guess somewhere in the world, maybe that was it, that alert came at like just the right moment, right? Like a punchline. On the JR poll, the question was, will we get a better speaker or more of the same? Split decision, 53% more of the same, 47% better. You can vote in the JR poll at KTSA.com. Uh, guest host tomorrow, Friday, and Monday. I'll see you back here live Tuesday. Leave you in the best of hands. Don't forget you can hit the Jack Chat line anytime, 210-599-5550. Have a good night.